uh, education, for example, uh, there is a demand for how many A's they must bring home or there is a demand for their uh, credits or even, you know, if they are in college, the CGPAs. And, uh, and you have, as they grow into adulthood, they have to get jobs that are paying them a certain amount of money. And uh, as they begin to find a job that would appreciate them and pay them a certain amount of money, now they have to find a husband or a wife uh, that would essentially look after them. And this husband or this wife must be someone who has a degree or a PhD or you know, some kind of qualification and if not, the family will not be too pleased or happy about why you chose this guy or why you chose this girl and on and on it goes. We grow into adulthood uh, and in that, in that there is the pressure of making sure you have enough of savings set aside or you have enough uh, uh, properties that you have purchased and, and what, this, what all of this simply quantifies at the end is that it quantifies us to a place where the world wants to give us their accreditation and say, you have succeeded. You have succeeded. You've got this checklist. They, they, they check that. Okay, you've got this check. You've got so much money check. You've got a house check. You've got a nice car check. You've got a nice family check. And so all of these begins to mount up the pressures that we face and we go through in life to such a degree that failure becomes a taboo word. We're afraid. We are terrified. We have a phobia to fail. And who doesn't? All of us do somewhere. And all of us know that failure isn't good. And we know that this is a desire set in stone by the world. That the world demands, you go to a library or even if you go to a bookstore today, there are self-help books all over. You find how to be a successful entrepreneur, how to be a successful so-and-so, how to get your life in order. And so everybody's got a piece of advice about getting your life on the route of success. Theodore Roosevelt, many years ago, made a statement. Obviously, it has to be years ago. He's dead and gone the 26th president of the United States made the statement that, that I've, I've, I've read and I love. He says, the only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does not anything. Yes. Yes. I, I want you to catch that. The only man who never makes a mistake is the man who never does anything. Michael Jordan, most of us know he's a fantastic basketball player. He is, in fact, the greatest basketball player of all time. And today, uh, most of us don't realize that he failed to make the basketball team when he was in his senior year in school. He didn't quit playing, despite the fact that he was a failure in school. He became one of the greatest today, despite he failed at basketball in school. Henry Ford the founder of the Ford company, bankrupt 
five times before he actually succeeded. Thomas Edison, and, and, this, and this thing about Thomas Edison is varies from one tangent to the other. Some guys will say he failed 999 times. Another guy will say 9,999. No one really, I personally don't even know really how many times he failed. All I know is he failed a lot. Okay, he failed a lot. He, he, he tried and he did it over and over and over again and he failed. And in his attempt to create a filament light bulb, but GE, General Electric, exists today because Thomas Edison succeeded one day in finding or in creating or in inventing the light bulb. So when you think about failures, we can go on and on. We can talk about the many failures that the world has seen but we must learn, beloved, that failure is a part of succeeding. Every successful person had to fail in order to succeed. One of the most profound realities you find in Scripture is this. And why am I preaching this? Because when you read the Word of God, you find that there are so many people in the Word of God who had failed again and again and again. And you and I, as we sit here, we know how it feels to fail or to be a failure. We know the ugly realities of it. We want to run from it. But I make a statement to you, and I don't say this dismissively. Listen to me very carefully. Without failure, we never grow. So I want to talk to you this morning, or rather this evening, a sermon I've entitled, Surviving Failure. And I want to address this subject and begin to talk to you about this. I remember uh, speaking of failure, um, um, maybe I'll tell you the story afterwards. Proverbs 24, 16. Let's go there. Proverbs 24, 16. Amen. Proverbs 24, 16. And so, in this passage, there's a profound... We're going, to go to, we're going to go to the book of Exodus in a minute. But before we go there, I just want to read this passage of Scripture to you. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. According to God's definition, failure is not the problem. It's giving up that's the problem. You can be a man who is pursuing, as you heard me say this morning, the law of God, meditating upon His law. And the Bible says that the result of meditating on His law is success and prosperity. The result of meditating upon His law is strength and courage. Remember Joshua chapter 1, 8 through 9. When you meditate on His law, when you meditate on the Word, when you spend time in His Word, the Bible gives us a powerful understanding that it not only causes prosperity and success to birth from there, but it also causes strength and courage to be birthed out of that. That's why the Bible says the righteous man, 
A man who abides by the word. A man who abides by scripture. A man that desires to revere God and please God and honor. The word righteous simply means to be in direct correlation, submitting yourself to the standard of God. Equity. Submitting yourself to the standard of God. Living according to God's terms. Righteous means to live according to God's terms. When you live according to God's terms, the Bible says failure can happen, but failure will not be the end. You'll fail, but you will find that in that failure, God will lift you back up. It reveals to us that the portion a righteous man enjoys is that he shall rise again. It's important for us to know that we do not lose when we fail. I want to make that statement clear. We do not lose when we fail. We lose when we quit. Failure is part of life. Things are not going to go the way you want it to go. You may work a job and you may not be successful at it. You may in fact fail at what you're accomplishing or you're achieving to do. But beloved, the the Bible gives us a profound understanding that no doubt losing is not failing. Losing is when you quit. You say, I'm done. You throw in the towel. You give up. You say, I'm not going to try again. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to pursue this anymore. I'm fed up. I'm not going to go forward any longer in life. When you find yourself in that place, come and see me. Because that means you have crossed the line. But you must, you must realize that there is a supernatural and enduring strength of God upon a righteous man. Judas was a man who failed. He failed big time. He began to give Jesus away to the chief priests and the scribes. He sold him to the religious teachers. He sold Jesus off. He sold his relationship with Christ off for 30 pieces of of silver. And it was too late. We know the story when Judas retreated and he realized, I made a blunder. But it was too late. By this time, the chief priests had come. They had come to take Jesus. We know the story. Judas went to try and retract his his, uh, offer. He said, you know what? No, no, don't don't take him away. You know what? Take your money back. I'm not going to sell Jesus. But it was too late. And what did Judas do? Judas, in that moment of time, eventually tried to kill himself because he felt like a failure and he gave in to failure. But we know the story, the the counterpart of that was a man by the name of Peter. Peter could have done the same thing. Peter failed Jesus. When Peter denied him, the Bible says the rooster had crowed three times. And when the rooster crowed, uh, when the rooster crowed, he had denied him three times, sorry. 
So by the time Jesus, by the time Peter had denied him three times, the rooster crowed, Peter had a choice. He knew that was indeed the voice that God had indicated to him was going to be the sign of his failure. Peter was reminded of his failure. You betrayed the Lord. Peter had a choice. He could have done exactly what Judas did. But we know the end of the story that Jesus came back from the grave and who did he look for? Peter. He said, tell the disciples, this is in the word of God right here, he said, tell the disciples and Peter that I'm risen. What was he implying? That failures, failures are not the end in my kingdom. That the Bible says, I am able, like it's the scripture in Proverbs chapter 7, that I am able, or Proverbs 24, that seven times a man shall fall, but no doubt, no doubt, he shall rise again. Listen carefully to me. It never has to end like that. You don't have to give in to failure and let it slip down. We know the story, beloved. Of Abraham, he slept with Hagar. What a mess. Now, this is not a license for you to go out and sin. But if you would repent, we know the story of Joseph, pride. He told his brothers about the dream. We know Isaac, Moses, Jacob. David was a lust bag. Peter failed. Yet the reality is all of them had some form of degree, but they all rose up and eventually became smashing success. God moved for them. And a person who is in right standing with God will inevitably bounce back in life. And this is why our relationship with God, I cannot emphasize this enough, the context of the sermon right here, this is why your relationship with God matters so much. Because when you fail, you can bounce back when you have a right relationship with God. I want to talk to you for a few moments about a man named Moses. In Exodus chapter 2, let's read verses 11 to 21. And we'll try to bring this down to a close. Uh, did I say that too soon? <laughs> Exodus chapter 2. Don't get too excited, guys. When a pastor gets to preach, he loves it. Okay, let's read verses 11 to 21. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, and that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. When he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian, hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priests of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew, the, drew water, and they filled the troughs to water, with their fathers, to water their father's flock. 
Verses 17, Then the shepherds came, uh, drove them away, but Moses stood up, helped them, and watered their flock. When they came to Reuel, their father, he said, How is it that you have come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughter, And where is she? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. So we find in this passage, in verses 15, the Bible says, Moses fled Pharaoh. Now think with me here for a few moments. Moses was a successful man. In what sense? Moses had everything the world ever said would qualify you as a success. He was born and he was raised eventually by Pharaoh's own daughter. He was in the palace. He was the man who had power given unto him. He was the man who would inherit all of the wealth that Pharaoh's daughter would have accomplished or even would have, would have, would have gathered for herself. And essentially, Moses, in essence, had power, had success, had credibility, had recognition, had a title where he was. And the Bible tells us that Moses went down to the field and when he saw his own people burdened by what was happening, he fought for them. He fought for them. Now, these were two different causes. One, the world wanted him to stay quiet in the palace and enjoy the luxury of life. But Moses was moved internally to go beyond that and do something beyond. And when he saw the suffering, when he saw the struggle, when he saw the pain, he knew what it would cost him. Think with me just a moment here. When they found out that Moses had buried this man whom he had killed, he hid him away. Think with me here. Moses was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. His grandfather was Pharaoh. What would you think the grandson would say to the grandfather? I know what my son will say. I mean, think about it. This is a grandfather to a grandson relationship. Right? No doubt, the moment you know they are pointing their fingers at you, Moses could have denied, denied, denied. It wasn't me. Grandpa, do you think I would do that to you? Mom, do you think I would do that to you? Do you think I would kill someone and support a Hebrew? What do you think? I, I, I lived in this home. I, you know me. Could have made the denial. Could have made, drawn the case to avoid having to flee. In fact, they say when he fled to Midianite, some commentators, if you look at the map, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, it was close to about 10,000 km. Or 1,000 km, I, I, you know, I, I may be wrong. But whatever it is, he had to travel a distance from where he was, from Egypt to Median. He had to travel a distance to get there, to find some sense of protection and security. But just think about it. Here's a man, he killed an Egyptian for a fellow Hebrew. He doesn't just rescue the man. He kills the Egyptian. 
we know that Moses was a man who had anger problems. And his anger right here caused him to fail. His temperament, his emotions, he knew very well what he was doing was wrong. He turned to the left, he turned to the right, the Bible says, and no one was there. He buried him. And in a moment of time, just as when it seemed that Moses would fulfill his destiny with God, he is responding. It seems that, you know what, because he protected the Hebrew, can you just think about this? He protected the Hebrew. What is Moses doing right here? He seems to be stepping into the purpose that God has for him. He's giving up the luxuries of life. He's giving up the comforts of life for what? For the purpose of pursuing God. This was a, this was a conscience, a voice of conscience on the inside. It was God who was impressing upon his heart. And just as he is responding to God, he feels like an utter failure. They want to kill him now. They know he did it. Just as he's responding to God, he seems to be on track to fulfill his destiny. How many have ever been there? You felt that, oh my gosh, I just hit a home run. God spoke to me. God told me to do this. God told me. God dealt with my heart. God has been there. And the moment you, you, you thought you were on the right track to seeing it happen, you thought you were on the right. You're responding to God. You're obeying His voice. You're going in the direction He has impressed upon you. And lo and behold, you meet a fork on the road. A spanner is thrown into the works. And now you're going to have to abscond. You're going to have to run away. Moses feels like an utter failure right here. Maybe as Christians, we've had moments of victories. He buried the Egyptian and he thought no one will know of the matter, but Moses' failure, beloved, here this evening is a reminder that after our big, biggest victories can come our biggest defeat. Can I say that again? The story of Moses reminds us that sometimes after our biggest victories can come our biggest defeat. A man who left it all at the palace to respond to the call of God and he's here and he fails miserably. And as believers... It looks like we failed at times. But I read the story of Moses and I just want to give you some very practical help as we close this evening. That there are three things on how you can survive the failures of life. Number one, you're going to have to learn not to quit. Don't quit. Moses, as we read was a story, is a story of a man who never gave up. He failed, no doubt, but he ran. He ran to salvage himself. He ran. And this was an incident that was just part of his life. Listen to me, beloved. He was supposed to die as a baby. They put him in a basket and they sent him on that river Nile. Or, or not river Nile. River Nile is... 
But they send him on that river, whatever the river is called. Nile is in the US, right? It's Nile, huh? Okay, okay, okay. I... Okay, thank you for confirming. They put him on the river. And as the basket, it was destined by God that he would end up at the palace. Just think about the entire trajectory of this young man's life. God intended it to happen. God purposed it to happen. God wanted it to be that way. That while they were killing, and what next? Here's his mother. She gets a job as a nanny in the house. Of Pharaoh's wife, or sorry, as, as Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter appoints her as the nanny to look after this child and to raise the child up. What sovereignty is that? God's providence through this man's life. And as he grows up, he has all of this on his shoulder. He's got success. He's got all the material wealth that every man and every woman will ever desire to have. And we see that this season of failure was not the whole story of his life. I want you to catch that. This season. But pastor, it's been 10 years. It's been 15 years. But that's a season. It's common that the moment we face failures in life, the first thing we intend to do is give up. We've read books by Theodore Seuss or, or, or Dr. Seuss who wrote one of his first children books. And to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. He wrote this book and placed it out there for it to be published. 27 different publishers read his book and they declined. They never wanted to approve. They rejected his book. A friend finally, out of compassion, published his book in 1937. By the time of death in 1991, Giselle's or Dr. Seuss books had sold more than 200 million copies in 15 languages. Since his death, 1991, nearly 22 million books have been sold. Think about it. What if he quit? at the 26th publisher. See, this is the nature we must realize, beloved. Just like Judas, after all that had happened, he tried to return the 30 pieces of silver, but they will not take it back. They went on to crucify Jesus. Judas didn't lose when he failed. He lost when he quit. Listen carefully. He failed Jesus, no doubt. But Jesus would have been compassionate and gracious and merciful enough to save his soul. But he quit. He threw in the towel and he walked away. Took his own life. He suicide. Remember Judas. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 20. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. The children of Israel demanded, as we know in this passage, for a king. 
They wanted a king like all the other nations. But God said, no king for now. You will have a judge. I will give you a judge. But they said, no, we want a king. They fought. They demanded. They insisted for a king. And the story goes, no doubt, the warning God gave them indeed came to pass. The very, the very king that they demanded to be in place violated the children of Israel. They took advantage of the children of Israel. They, 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 they abused the children of Israel. They went against the children of Israel. They violated, abused them. And God in this passage is saying to Samuel, tell them not to fear. You have done all this wickedness. He says to them, you have failed, no doubt. You have messed up, no doubt. You have made a bad choice, no doubt. But I am going to help you. I am going to move for you. He says, turn aside, make the decision, make the choice, push back and move away from that and I will come down and help you. You see, you don't have to quit. You don't have to give up. You don't have to say, you know, it's over. God reminds us, beloved, that in every failure, there is seasons we go through, but failure is never the end of the story. Samuel is saying, regardless of what you've done, just because you've blown, you blew it, you messed it up, he says it's not over. That's hope. The second thing we find from this passage, if you are going to survive failure, you have to learn to be a servant. In the book of Exodus chapter 2, 16 through 19, the priests of Midian had seven daughters. They came and drew water. They filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Moses became a servant to the shepherd. One of the things you find is Moses saves these girls from the shepherds that came. And we have to realize and bear in mind that Moses being the prince of Egypt, he was always served. Right? You know, this is the problem, right? Once you've tasted a little bit of success, you find it hard to submit yourself to someone and be under them. No, I'm not going to do that. Servitude is an attitude that will journey you through the failures of life. When you learn to develop a servitude attitude, when you learn just like Moses in this moment, he's running away, he's failed big time. He's messed himself up, he's messed his destiny. At least he thought he messed his destiny up with God. Yet we find this man that he in his failure, he learned to serve. I am convinced, beloved, that one of the greatest cures for failure is developing and learning to be a servant. Is learning to serve. Is coming to a place that 
we must learn to find privilege in serving and do something for God. Can I tell you when you have failed again and again and again and again, and if you would say to yourself, you know what, it's time I find something I can serve God with. And if you would pursue serving if you would pursue, pursue uh, uh, doing something with a heart of a servant just like Moses, beloved, there is hope in that failure. When you fail, don't sit and slumber or don't sit and moan, but rather rise up and say, okay, I don't have it all together, but I can find something I can do to serve someone. And when you find that place of service, it does something on the internal side of your heart. Luke 15, 19. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Here's the prodigal, right? He failed. Remember? He failed. He, he, he sold whatever his father had given him. He went, to the, he, he went and lived prodigal lifestyle and spent it all. And what happened? In his failure, later they threw him into a pig's, a, 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 a pig's a, 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 a den, and 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 style, sty is it? Sty is it? Okay, okay. I don't know. I, I not clicking, not clicking tonight. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But, but he threw him into a pigsty. And what happened? Feeling like an utter failure. It was in that failure he realized it's better I go back to my father's house and become a servant. In his failure, he became, he humbled himself. He says, you know what? I don't need to be served. Let me serve. And it was in that service he found healing. It was in that service that the nature of failure was lifted. Many times through the years I've seen this myself. We all go through things, we all fail. There are times I feel that I've made mistakes. There are times I feel that I have blundered myself in ministry or even in my own life, you know, doing things. And I realize, oh my gosh, why, why did I make that mistake? And I feel like an utter failure. But I realize that in that failure, I don't have to dwell in that. But I can learn to be a servant. And that's what Moses is teaching us. You have to come to a place of stop demanding that I want to be served. You have to develop this attitude in you. I just want to be a blessing. I just want to serve. I don't want anything in there. I just want to do something that I can do for you. Just let me be a blessing. That spirit right there is a healer to the failure that you face in life. Let me just be a blessing. That was Moses' attitude. 
you know what, let me just serve you. Let me just serve you. Let me just be a blessing to you. Finally, in Exodus chapter 2, 19 to 21, we find that Moses did this and we close with this right here. The Bible says, And they said, An Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. He also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man. And he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. We find that here's Moses. He didn't refuse help. The Bible tells us that it's interesting that Moses began to link his heart with Jethro, who was a shepherd. This was his wife's father-in-law. This was, sorry, this was his wife's father. It became eventually Moses' father-in-law. Jethro was the man who welcomed Moses in. Now Moses could be like most people today. No, 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 I don't need help. I'm okay. Hey, how are you doing? Okay, I'm fine, la, perfect, fantastic. No, listen, if you are in a place where you have messed up, you have to learn to accept and be willing to get help. Failures don't survive without help. You need to be upfront. You need to be honest. It seems that Moses understood that the road to recovery is not by myself. I need help. And he went into the house. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 10. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to lift him up. Do you realize the importance of having people who care for your soul around you? Get help. That's what the Bible says, that there are people who surround us. This is what failure does so many times. It's a double-edged sword. It causes people to isolate themselves. I can do this myself. I can handle it myself. God's help for us oftentimes comes from people. Jethro was a man. And he saw his daughters being helped by a man who had failed. Can you imagine? Here's a servant. Moses was the, was the prince. Now he's a servant. And in servitude, he found someone who's, who he caught attention and said, you know what, you come in and we will help you. The man who was a failure found help and God used him. To help Moses. So let me tell you, there are three things you have to keep. Don't quit when you fail. You have to learn that it's not over. This is only a season in my life. You have to learn, just like Moses, I have to find a place I can be a servant and be a blessing. Let me serve. Let me be a blessing. Let me be a blessing. Let me do something. Let me get involved. Let me be a blessing. It's always this generation, right? It's always about taking, 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 taking. We don't even realize. We don't even realize. 
that we take more than we give. James Dobson, I just came across a book that he had written many years ago, Dare to Discipline. And um, it's, it's a fantastic book for, uh, for children, raising up children and in learning to discipline the, ch- the uh, children and so on. Uh, but one of the things about it is that he did a, 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 a session with a man many years ago uh, named Phil Donahue. Now, in that session, he was alarmed. James Dobson was so alarmed and disturbed about the disintegration of the home and the divorce rates that were skyrocketing. So at that point of time in the 70s, he was, a, he was basically a nobody at that time. He was a psychologist of the Southern, University, Southern California University Hospital. And he wrote the book, Dare to Discipline, in that period of time. So the popularity of that grew uh, uh, to a man by the name of Phil Donahue, who invited Dobson to appear on his Chicago-based show in 1978. So Donahue at that time, the talk show uh, host, began to criticize James Dobson. He mocked him. He belittled him, he belligerently condemned him to some degree and he made James Dobson's work, Dare to Discipline, seem like child's play. Dobson, after years had gone by, readily admit that his performance on Donahue's show was his worst ever. He left that show that day feeling like an utter failure. But somehow James Dobson's despair was short-lived. Sometime after that, he sought out a 65-year-old advertising agent in Chicago, the suburb to discuss the possibility of a national radio program. So eventually, Dog Mains invited Dobson to his one-man studio in Wheaton, where James Dobson proceeded to record the pilot broadcast of what is known today as the focus on the family. So what has developed at that time, even my kids listen to Adventures on Odyssey. It's a focus on the family material. It's a fantastic when you're on a road trip. I mean, you can listen to one after another and you learn so much from it. But what is so unique and, and, and celebratory about this man's life is the fact that that moment of failure became eventually his greatest moment of moving into success. Today, focus on the family, on the family, is heard on more than 6,000 stations around the world, with 10 magazines published to close to about 3 million families each month. What a story. He could have wallowed in his failure. He could have dwelled in all that he did wrong that night and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm giving it up, I'm not going to pursue this. But how many know, beloved, from that story alone, we can conclude that God uses failure. Amen. Amen. God uses failure. God hasn't changed his mind about it. And he, regardless of how bad we fail, the truth is said, 
God still wants to use us. Let's close with this. Just two more minutes and I'm done. Exodus 3, 1-4, the Bible says, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. 40 years have gone by. I want, you to, I want you to process that. 40 years have gone. He has fled Egypt. He has left. Now he's at the backside of a desert. He's at the back of a desert in his father-in-law's yard. And as he's looking after this animal, he's shepherding them. He's taking care of them. And the story goes, he is about the end of his life. 40 years have gone by. Remember, he is probably 80 years old now. He was 40 years in Egypt and an additional of 40 years have gone. Total of 80 years. And in that moment, God called him. Can I tell you, you're never too old to do something for God. That's the reality. In this passage, we find that coming to pass. When Moses probably thought, hey, Life is fine and dandy. My father-in-law has land. He's got animals for me to look after. I've got a lovely wife. I've got family. I've got things that are going well for me here. I don't need anything else. But God disrupted his plan. Why? Because as we've been learning, God never leaves any wound open without healing it. And God knew deep down in this man's heart, he felt like an utter failure. And he says, I'm not going to let that go. You think life is somehow stabilized. Got a little better now. Got family, I've got this, I've got that, I've got my, the animals around, I'm taking care, I've got the job at least, I've got something to do, keep me occupied, so on. And, and Moses would have, but God knew that deep down on the inside, when he pressed the history button, Moses left Egypt and the wound of the past was still present. And God says, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to take that failure and I'm going to take you right back where you failed. And this time, the trajectory will change. Forty years have gone by. And God steps in. It's interesting that as you read the Word of God, and you can read, I don't have time to go into it. You read the book of Acts chapter 7. Stephen, as he's preaching, he mentions Moses. He says how bad Moses has blew it. Yet we fast forward 40 years later. And you know what is so powerful? Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, listen to this. God hasn't changed his mind about Moses. Moses has gone on. He's gone on to live life. 
Things are going well, reasonably okay now. But God hasn't changed His mind. Are you with me this evening? And that's a profound reminder that God eventually used this man, a failure, to deliver the greatest exodus in history, the children of Israel out of Egypt. He used a failure to do that. So I remind you tonight that there are many believers today who have made mistakes. We failed. We've caused blunders. And there are many Christians who even sit in church today and we are so negative about ourselves that we can never have God's best in our lives. How many people today in the church world no longer believes that God wants to bless them? We, we sit in church, we worship, we come, but deep down on the inside, we tell us that God doesn't want anything good for me. God doesn't want to bless me anymore. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't want to do anything good for me. They no longer contend for the goodness of God because deep down on the inside, they believe they are failures. So let's remind ourselves tonight that life can go on, but God never changes His mind about us. He will take us back to the starting point of life and say, you failed here, right? This is what you messed up, isn't it? I'm going to show you a different side of the coin now. And he led the children of Israel out of Egypt. So I challenge you tonight, don't look at failure as merely an end. But learn to look at failure as a means for God to do something greater in your life. Don't quit. Be a servant and learn to get help tonight. Bow your heads with me. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, very simple message tonight. A surviving failure. So many of us can put our fingers to a moment just like in Moses' life, a time when we allowed our anger to erupt. Maybe we blew it. We damaged relationships because we got angry. We failed. Maybe it's in our parenting. Maybe it was in our job. Maybe it's in life that we've come to the place where we no longer believe God has good things for us because we failed. But I'm here to remind you here tonight, I'm here to remind you that if Moses can go through the desert 40 years later in the desert, in the dry seasons of life, in the moment where people would have said, you know what, this is all your life is, Moses. That's it. This is all there is. Just be merry. Look after the animals. 
happy with your wife and your children and, and just enjoy that. That is all there is to it. And Moses, just like most of us, can believe that lie. But God taught him something else. But you see what must we learn from all of this? That you must never quit. You must pursue and contend for what God's promises are. And in that, you would find help. In that, you would find God turning the page in your life. I want to invite you this evening. Maybe you've said, you know, Pastor, I failed so many times. I've gone into, I failed, I've gone into, people, people don't like me. I'm a failure. I'm a mess. But I want to come to God tonight. And I want to believe that God can bring healing in my heart. I want to believe that God can touch me and bring back destiny in my life. How many years it takes, I don't know. For Moses, it was 40 years before God even took him back to where he started. For us, it might take five years, some of us 10 years, some of us one year, some of us two years. We don't know. But whatever it may be, God, I want to believe tonight you have something good for me. I'm not giving in to the spirit of failure. I'm rebuking the spirit right now. And I'm going to come, I'm going to command it to cease. If I'm not going to allow thoughts of failure to condemn me, I'm not going to let thoughts of failure to stop me. I'm going to believe. I'm going to speak faith into my life. And I'm going to believe that you are able to do a work in me. Beloved, I want to invite you tonight to come to this altar. Maybe you found yourself here. You come to this altar. Talk to the living God. Say, God, you know what? This is where I find myself, God. And I really want you to help me. I want you to pick me up tonight, God. I want you to move upon my life tonight. And I want you to show me, God, that just like Moses in my desert, and in the seasons of dryness, I want you to show me today, Lord, a burning bush, God. A burning bush, oh God. I believe it can come. I believe it can happen. I believe it will happen, God. Lord, I choose to trust you tonight. Oh, I command failure right now to be broken in the name of Jesus. Set your people free, my God. Lord, deliverance, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I break condemnation. I break, oh God, the spirit, oh God, of failure right now in the name of Jesus. Sunday, Kiro, Shanta. Oh God, we rebuke, Lord, the strategies of Satan that Lord tries to cause us, Lord, to believe the lie, oh God. I command that lie to be broken tonight in the name of Jesus right now. Pick us up, God. Pick us up, God. Burning bush, Lord Jesus. Give us a burning bush encounter tonight. Oh, speak to us, God. Oh, and my lips shall sing. Let's worship Him. Stand and sing out to Jesus. 
to bless your name I surrender Make my life a sacrifice You're my righteousness You're my Yes you are You are Yes, yes And my lips shall sing your praise I lift hands to you To bless your name I surrender Make my life a sacrifice Thank you Jesus Can we bless him? Oh God we praise you Lord, we worship you, my Lord. Are ba 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 Sunday. Read on 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 read. Ra 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 ba shikara ra ra ba. Ro bo 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 The devil will always push you to the brink of telling you. It's over. You feel too many times. There's nothing. There's nothing left. There's nothing left for you. But I remind you tonight that the scriptures in the Bible are filled with failures. And every failure in the Bible when they chose to respond to God it all ended well Peter became one of the most powerful disciples eventually being a failure Moses became the deliverer of the people being a failure David became one of the greatest kings that led the people of his being a failure We can go on and on and on. 